This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, we welcome Jason Wright, the president of the Washington Commanders. He's been in that role for two years. He spent seven years as a running back in the NFL. He's only the fourth former NFL player to have the role as president, the role of president uh, within an NFL franchise, which is which is really cool. And I'll read more about his bio when we when we welcome him on. But he's a a very accomplished um, person from a, a a sports standpoint, but also business standpoint. And and the role that he has in Washington is a big deal. And the fact that he is so open about his faith and you know, the way things have been in Washington over the years to, to be able to have somebody like Jason come in and really help change the culture. And he's done a great job. He really has. And, and of course, the, the football team is, you know, five and five this year, coming off the big win on Monday Night Football against the Eagles, giving them their first loss of the season. But, but if you just think about how the perspective and perception of Washington has changed, uh, it's not, you know, they got, they still have work to do and they still have some issues that continue to pop up, uh, you know, things that have lingered over the years, but, uh, but, but I'm, I'm encouraged after talking with Jason that, that he's the right man for this job and, and the way that God is using him, uh, is really cool to, to hear about and to know that, that he's been, he's been placed in, in a unique spot with a unique opportunity to make a difference, uh, within the NFL, within this franchise and and he's just so uh, open and transparent about his faith, and and really shared a lot of great encouragement with us today. So 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 glad to have Jason on the show. Uh, and for those of you that are loyal listeners of this podcast, uh, we took a little bit of time off from guest interviews, uh, but we are back, and we are we are going to bring on some some awesome guests uh, as uh, we book them and and as they're available, and and so. Uh, we're thrilled to get things going again with Jason Wright. Uh, this was a great way to to sort of kick off uh, the return of the the guest podcast, and you know we've continued to do the live show on Mondays and the fantasy football show on Tuesdays, and and so especially in the new year, uh, we'll we'll add some more guest interviews and and hopefully uh, just continue to to challenge, encourage, and inspire sports fans to follow Jesus and become more like Him, and and that's what we're all about, and so. 
Uh, those are the kind of guests we want to have, and that's what we try to do on our live show on Mondays and the fantasy show on Tuesdays as well. I do want to thank our sponsors. Uh, first up, MetaShare. Uh, they've been uh, a great partner of ours uh, since last year, and, and so encourage you to check out uh, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance, and members of MetaShare save up to 50% or more per month on their health care costs. And so my family, we are members of MediShare and are thankful to be members. And, and really, uh, their 30-year track record uh, speaks for itself. And, and if you just take two minutes to see how much you can save, uh, MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family. Uh, MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Also, we are excited to welcome on uh, another sponsor, Sugar Creek Coffee. That's right. Use the promo code UNPACK and you can enjoy some delicious coffee. And really, it's, it's, it's a, a, a local spot uh, just outside of, of Charlotte. And I, I know the owners and I'm and, and real thrilled to be able to partner with them. And, and so their, their motto is it's all about coffee, but, but more importantly, it's all about people. And, and so uh, that's what that, we love coffee here, but we're all about people uh, here at Unpacking It, all about sports fans. And, and so very thankful to be able to team up uh, with Sugar Creek Coffee, sugarcreekcoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK, save a little bit of money, and you can also uh, support our show. And, and we appreciate that in advance. Uh, stick around at the end of our conversation with Jason. I'll give a little recap uh, and unpack something that he said a little bit further. But right now, Let's jump right in. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us today on the Unpacking It podcast is the president of the Washington Commanders, Jason Wright. He was hired in 2020 and is responsible for leading the organization's business divisions, including operations, finance, sales, and marketing. In addition to leading a historic transformation of a sports franchise, he is the first black team president in the history of the NFL and was the youngest team president in the league at the time of his hiring. Jason spent seven years as a running back in the NFL with the 49ers, Falcons, Browns, and Cardinals. He plays college football at Northwestern, where he was the president of FCA and the winner of the first ever Bobby Bowden Award. Jason, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little tired today, but I'm good, brother. I'm good. Man, good well, you, well, I know the team's coming off a, a big win on Monday night against the Eagles. So, so what's the energy and excitement level been like in the building this week? You know, massive, massive. Um, I think for, um, uh, you know, as the scripture says, don't get wor- uh, weary in well-doing. Mm-hmm. I think for a few years here now, um, Coach and the entire organization have been sewing in what we think is the right way to build a franchise, investing in the people that are the right folks to be there. But through a lot of things that seem like bad luck or circumstances beyond our control or things that predate us, just haven't seen the fruit of it. And um, Monday was a time when it all came together and it didn't feel like a fluke. So mm-hmm. everybody, everybody's in good spirits here, man. It's a good moment to be a commander. That's awesome. What do you love most about this year's team specifically? Yeah, I think uh, this is the first time where I've, I would say coach on the football side and myself um, on the organization overall, feel like we have our people in place. Hmm. 
it, it's taken two and a half years to really turn around the entire organization. You know, I think over 80% of the people are new since I joined. Wow. And that's, that's massive turnover. Um, you had to move on from people that don't share or espouse your values or the way you want to construct the team, the way you want to interact and treat one another. And then you just got to bring in talented, creative, scrappy people that are willing to grind in tough circumstances, which we are in and, and still coming out of. You got to have you got to have people with good resilience. Mm. And I think coach feels like he has that now on his side. I feel like we have that overall in the organization. And that's why it feels more sustainable. Because you know, like the people, the men and women you're locked arms with, they can handle it. They can handle it no matter what comes. So uh, that, that's why we're pretty bullish. That That's cool. And, and so many of the players represent that that mantra as well. And, and especially seeing Taylor Heineke out there on Monday night and his story. And so, uh, yeah, a, a likable team and, and a cool turnaround even within this season, too. That's right. Uh, that's right. After, after a couple losses. So uh, big, big Monday night win. And, and I want to you talk about the last two years and, and what your role has been and, and bringing in the, the, the right people. I'm curious at, at what point and, and maybe even going back to college, what did you want to do for a career? And at what point did entering into an NFL front office enter the, the, the radar and, and, and a, a possibility for you? Yeah, this surely was not it. <laughs> this is this is uh, you know it's a colloquialism. It's not a scripture, but we say it all the time in church. It's like uh, man makes his plans and God laughs. You know, ah, that's right. Um, uh, th- that was most certainly the case for me. You know, I you know, I went to Northwestern and I played in the league. And when I was in the league, most of my off seasons, I did what I call do gooder work. Um, hmm. I ran a house church. I did anti human trafficking advocacy with my wife at the time. Um, we helped start a charter school network. Uh, like we did a bunch of do-gooder stuff. That was sort of in our both of our family's DNA and in what I did. And um, even though we're not together anymore, she continues to do that in her vein. I continue to do that in my vein. Um, and so that's just part of who I am as a person. And so when it's my career started to come to an end, I thought, you know, I need to figure out how to do good sustainably. And there were a lot of really smart bleeding heart do-gooder people in these ministries and these organizations that were really, really terrible with money. (laughs) And so I thought, you know, instead of blowing a bunch of money on some creative idea that I thought was inspired um, because I just didn't have good discipline around how to run a business or how to run an organization, let me go to business school and learn from these greedy people how to do well with money. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to do really good with it um, on some of my do-gooder topics. And when I got to business school at University of Chicago, um, I realized, oh, my gosh, these greedy people problems are really interesting. And my inner nerd came back alive. And (laughs) and I loved all the stuff I was learning from accounting to finance to advanced analytics. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up now. And I started to get a vision that I still hold to this day. And that's that what happens through the large organizations and businesses that provide jobs for this country and the world, um, they are also the biggest sources of influence in shaping our culture, shaping where resources flow, shaping the day-to-day experiences of people in our society. Um, I remember when I was in business school, um, I read a book uh, from Yale Seminary called um, To Change the World. Um, and I forget the author of it. It's a little bit heady. It's a little bit wonky. It's um, it's like a reformed theology background informs it. So it's that it's sort of from that ilk. 
um, you know, they like to write, write like really heady stuff, like long, long books with big words. And uh, <laughs> it's one of those types of books. But it talked about really inserting as people of faith into the places where we have spheres of influence, where there are spheres of influence in society. And I believe corporate America and big business is one of is one of those influences of society. And so I thought, man, I got to figure out how to leverage the resources and influence of these types of businesses and organizations uh, for the good of the kingdom and for the things that I care about. And so I went into consulting and became a partner at uh, McKinsey and Company. It was an amazing firm that helped draw out my talents and made me face my fears and my weaknesses and grow a lot. Um, as a partner there, I realized, man, I could keep doing this. And I had no plans to leave. Mm. No plans to leave. I was doing great work on racial equity in the economy, which I believe is in the heart of God. And uh, I was doing fantastic work there. And I got introduced to Dan and Tanya, the owners of the team, through a, a client of mine um, who knew them. And three weeks later, I went from having casual conversations about how to help them with the organization to being hired. And, wow. and starting in the organization. So it was completely unanticipated, unplanned, um, but one of those things that clearly got orchestrated. And I'm grateful for it. It's been a hard two years, but I've absolutely loved it. Best job I've ever had. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. And, and along those lines, too, I'm, I'm curious, the kind of leading up to it, the process of knowing this was the right job to take. And then also the confirmation that you've gotten from God over the last couple of years. Yeah. Just kind of those, I don't know if you could share some of those moments to where yeah, it's like, for sure. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. For sure. Um, you know, I I'll say this. I don't know that I got confirmation on the front end mm. of this. Yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, I felt like uh, and this is this is a little bit of a maturation of my faith. I feel like when I first became Christian in college, I was 21 years old, I think, when um, I, I converted to the faith. Um, I think I, I took things in a very simplistic manner. There's, I was going to get a clear sign, you know, handwriting on the wall type of sign from God, wet fleece type of sign from God. And, and that was going to give me confirmation that I could move forward with something in confidence. I think as I've grown and as I've um, I, as, as, I, as my career has gotten into more and more complex spaces, I've seen way more gray area than I ever thought I would see. Um, uh, it's a little bit of the journey of a Daniel or a, a, a Joseph who works in a, a kingdom that isn't necessarily always on the side of good, mm, but somehow okay. has been called there um, to do good alongside people that might not be naturally do-gooders. <laughs> mm. And... Um, and, and there's a lot of gray area there. There's there's things that don't seem super clear that uh, you can't point to um, a clear right or wrong answer on. And I feel like that's a little bit of what it was coming into this job for me. Hmm. There were there was a clear leaning of my heart towards what this organization represented. It's one of the few places where still in our society today where we're more fractured than ever along political lines, along racial demographic lines, around socioeconomic lines people that hate each other on social media and are yelling at each other in chat rooms on the NFL platform and particularly in burgundy and gold still come together and hug and high five when Terry McLaurin scores a touchdown on Sunday for the commanders True. and the power of that sort of unity mm. um, is palpable. You know, there's a reason Jesus's last prayer was for unity of the church. Right. There's, there's collective power in human, in, in human unity. 
um, no matter what the platform. And it's especially empowered when it's in the faith. Um, and so the opportunity to take over a platform where people were still unified in some measure was massive to me. And, and to take on an organization that was making a major transition from a name that um, half of Native and Indigenous community considered a slur and the other half considered a source of pride, um, but that society had mandated we start to move on from. Um, to, to take something steeped in racialized imagery and somehow come out the other side with a brand, a name, a moniker that was unifying and meaningful. It, it, it's the impossible task, but it was something that for me was exciting mm. <laughs> and that I wanted to take on um, and to take an organization that needed um, to find a new home and to take on an, a 30 year economic development project that could funnel resources to people, communities and neighborhoods that don't normally get the benefit of massive resources in a project of that scale and scope was something that uh, really resonated with my personal mission around equity in the economy. And so those were these amazing, exciting things that in the face of some really messy uh, history and a bad reputation around the organization made me willing to say, you know what, I'm going to risk it. Mm. Um, and if I'm wrong, I know that God will never leave or forsake me. <laughs> I will lick my wounds. I may be battered and bruised, but I will figure out how to recover. But my God, I can't turn down this challenge, even though I have no assurances that all the bad things I think might happen aren't, aren't going to happen. And, um, and that's a little bit of an insight into how I think and make decisions too. It's fascinating, and, and and you mentioned the name uh, Daniel and Joseph and their stories from the Bible, and and yeah, I can see some parallels there, and then that's that that's fascinating to see you know, where God has placed you in, in this specific season and time of the the Washington franchise, and so uh, yeah, really really cool to hear that, and and let's let's go back a little bit. You, you mentioned uh, becoming a, a Christian in college, and 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 as as you sort of reflect back now in the last twenty years or so. Uh, of a, a faith journey with Jesus, what are some of the pivotal moments, some of the key seasons that, that you, you know, maybe reflect on, draw from, where yeah. your faith really grew and strengthened during that time? Sure, sure. I mean, I'll talk about, you know, when I really came to faith in college, first and foremost, you know, I, I grew up in a household of, uh, with both history and lineages of believers on both sides. My dad, almost everybody on my dad's side was some sort of preacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> preacher, gospel singers, pastors, all sorts of folks. Uh, my mom grew up heavily in the church. We went um, and um, as kids, but it was it was sort of nominal. It was a little bit of a holiday thing. And hmm. for me, it wasn't particularly deep or meaningful, except when I was in trouble and I was like, oh, God, get me out of trouble. All right. Um, that, <laughs> that's when I threw yeah. those prayers. I'm still a little bit like that. I think we all are. <laughs> um, uh, but in college, uh, I had a tough time transitioning to college. And I was the type of person, and I think some people are just more wired this way, cared a lot about what other people thought. Mm -hmm. um, and I can still fall into that if I'm not careful. Um, and a lot of my sense of self, of strength, of well-being came via the narrative of what other people said about me. And that can be an exhausting thing taken to an extreme. And uh, as I was heading off to college, I had grown up in kind of a curated environment where no matter what background someone was from, they kind of thought well of me and I wanted to keep it that way. And mm. it was really hard to do in college. Mm. <laughs> it was really hard to do. I didn't like it when someone didn't think I was great at something. And um, it was it was very difficult for me. I, I developed a level of anxiety that was really, really high, really high. Sometimes I have trouble going to sleep at night until I had 
figured out how tomorrow I was going to lie or manipulate my way into people liking me and the wow. people liking me. And that's that's a that's a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be while being in a new city far from home, struggling to play, get playing time on the team, you know, um, and in the midst of that, um, I had one of the guys who was from on my team who was from my hometown who I'd known for years, know his family growing up. We had a, a conditioning workout from between my freshman and sophomore years in the summer. Um, and a bunch of us had taken a supplement that was illegal at the time. And we went out through this workout. And there's a reason it's illegal. It affected all of us negatively. Mm -hmm. A bunch of us passed out. Um, and he passed out. And because he had uh, a heart condition associated with it, he, he didn't get up. He died there on the field. And for me, it was a very arresting moment. It was a very arresting moment. All the things that I was doing to sort of avoid the anxious feelings I was having, to numb the pain that I was experiencing, I, none of that worked anymore. And so while I grieved his death pretty hard, I was grieving more than that. I was sort of grieving the state of my life, the, the dis-ease in the more philosophic sense that I was feeling day in and day out. And I started to remember the words of a couple um, really bold young women in my dorm who I kind of made fun of for being like super Jesus people um, at the time. Um, but their words came back to me in that moment in a moment of desperation. I was like, all right, God, if you're who they say you are, like, help me out. Take me out of where I'm at and put me with another set of people. And uh, I reneged the next morning when I felt better, but I think it was a little too late. And uh, I ended up just finding myself around good people that were genuine, that cared about me, that I felt comfortable being open and honest with, which I don't know that I'd ever felt that way before about mm. even the deep, dark things of my life. And those people happened to be Christian. And mm. so I started going to church with them, started praying with them, and very quickly it, it, it caught on for me. Um, and, and that was my, you know, my, found, my foundational experiences. And then from there, I just happened to have a bunch of cool, miraculous things happen <laughs> over the course of my first few years as a believer, where it's like, there's no way to explain it, but God, are too many stories, too many stories to tell, um, mm. you know, whether yeah. it was, you know, how I ended up uh, getting to the league and getting cut nine times in my first year and a half, but landing with the Browns and feeling like I had a message from God that I was going to make that team when I went there on a tryout. So I packed for three months instead of just for a day long tryout and made the team and stayed there for four years. Like just things that, that I, I look back and are kind of wild and crazy and, and, and can't be explained. Um, but that really solidified and anchored my faith. Um, but I think once I was done with the NFL, it went from these sort of almost fairy tale kind of moments to something much more subtle in the day to day. And I would say since transitioning out of the league, the biggest theme of, of me and God and my journey in God is understanding God not so much as the God that's up there in the sky and separate and apart from me as the spirit that lives inside me. The closeness of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that, that God's word resides in me and mm -hmm. that the insights I have when I'm making business decisions, when I'm trying to understand how to connect with one of my children when they're going through a tough moment, when I'm trying to understand what a friend needs in a moment of crisis or grief, that the feelings, the emotions, the thoughts that emerge from within are informed by the Spirit of God. And that I don't need to do so much that is performative to get access to the wisdom of God, that the miracle of Christ is that the sacrifice allows God to abide in me, that 
there's no gap any longer and that that closeness is always present. And man, that is a comforting thing and something that a performance-based perfectionist like me is mm. hard to internalize. And I think I'll be learning that truth for the rest of my life. Gosh, that, that that's powerful. And, and unfortunately, we, we sort of miss out on exactly what that means in our lives. We, we you know, say, oh, Jesus is in my heart, but which is true, but it's, it's his presence, his, uh, the indwelling, like you, you mentioned, and so we can tap into that. And, and so I guess I want to go back to something that you said and just yeah. kind of how you maybe reconcile. So you're talking about some of the, you know, the gray areas where we could go this way or that way, and maybe both, not to put words in your mouth, but maybe both ways are good ways yeah. to go, and yeah. it's, it's hard yeah. to know. Yet at the same time, we do have the spirit leading yes. us and, and guiding us. So what have you learned? And, and as you wrestle with some question. of that, that's a great question. I feel like that's something I've learned immensely in the last two years on this job, actually, mm. um, both in my personal life and on this job, as both have been times of massive transition um, for this organization. And for me, um, I, I think before I really always I, I felt that there was strong, whether it was through data or through some objective source, there was a right answer and there was a wrong answer. And what I discovered early on in this job where I didn't have full information into what was going on and I had to make a decision on who to maintain on my team, on my leadership team, who to keep in the organization, what policies to implement, um, uh, what we should do in terms of uh, the approach to renaming the team. Should we go off in a uh, in a room and rip the band-aid off and come out with a new name on a friday night on twitter which like other teams who were renaming did and that's a viable strategy or do we do something longer and more involved and engage the fans and try to learn in the process which is messier and more risky but we ultimately chose to do um in all of those decisions whether it's my decision on a person to keep on the team or a big business decision like the renaming there were moments where I didn't have good information and my gut was telling me to go a different direction than the limited information I have was telling me to go. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, over that period of time, anytime I went against my gut, it was wrong. Mm. <laughs> or uh, with, 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 with uh, maybe without being so dramatic, it was much messier than the alternative. There was more to clean up, more to course correct, to get to, a good sustainable place uh, than when I did trust my gut and it went against a bit of the limited information. And I think it's twofold. Um, I think there's a little bit of heaven and earth in this. I think mm -hmm. on the earth side of this is that our brains process a ton of information we don't realize they're processing in our subconscious. And so if my gut is leaning a certain way and I'm like, wait a minute, but I never saw any information that led that way. There's so much going on beyond our conscious minds that we're processing, it's informing how we feel about things. There's good stuff written about that in a very accessible book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. He's a pop psychologist. Oh yeah. And on the other hand, there's the heaven side that all of us know. And it's that that same subconscious processing um, is also informed by the wisdom of God. Um, if God's word is hidden in our hearts as the psalmist prays, then we are able to draw on that wisdom even without trying it informs us, it whispers to us, it colors right. our thoughts, it colors our instincts. There are times when you just have a, almost like a turn your nose up reaction to a situation or a person or an idea. And I often think that is a reaction brought on by the wisdom of God's spirit, 
that sees so much more than we see, both in time and space and in the given circumstance. Um, and I have learned, uh, as hyper-logical and data-driven as a guy I am, I've learned to trust my gut. Mm. I've learned to trust my gut. And I think it has helped us steer this ship through some really choppy waters over time. And uh, I do it more and more. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and yeah, no, I, I love how you described kind of the, yeah, the brain side of it and the, the spirit within us. They come together to give you that, that, that gut feeling. And, and ultimately, yeah, I, I believe we're led by the spirit to, to, to make wise decisions and it's uh, that's a cool, yeah, it's a cool process to think about. And as I think about the kind of decisions that I have uh, looming as well, so mm-hmm. I, 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 mm-hmm. I get that for sure. Um, well, as you put your uh, hand up, I see your your tattoo on your hand, mm-hmm. and I, I saw yeah. you speak recently at a faith and, and football event, and and you talked about that tattoo. Would love to sure. share the uh, kind of the, the the heartbeat behind that with our yes. audience today. Yes, 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 yes. It's uh, it's Matt, it's Matthew ten sixteen. Um, I send you out like sheep among wolves, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I think for a large part of my life, I've been well-meaning and um, ambitious and creative and all that stuff, but probably a bit naive. Mm. Still to this day, a bit naive. Um, I think I've learned um, in recent times, things are not always what they seem. People are not always who they present to be. And um, and the shrewdness that that scripture implies, especially us going out into a fallen world, we do need a wisdom that has the right healthy prayer-informed suspicion and <laughs> tries to see ulterior motives in things. It's it's a cynical way to look at the world, but I think one that is rooted in wisdom and that the Bible suggests we should um, be rooted in. And that was a way of marking that um, and and putting that on me. I love that. I, I, so I looked it up in the, in the amplified version. It says, listen carefully. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves have no self-serving agenda. That's good. I didn't realize that. Yeah. The, and that's the ulterior motives piece. That's yeah. exactly where I come from in that. Mm, that's good. That, that's, that's cool. Good. That, that was Jesus sending out the disciples. So that's a that's a cool, cool verse to have on, on your, your arm as a reminder in, in, a, in a unique tattoo uh, on your arm and hand. So that, that, that's yeah. awesome. Well, um, as we, you know, we've, we've talked about your faith leading and, and, and guiding you as far as uh, now you've gotten through kind of first two years on the job uh, as you move forward. What, what do you feel like God is calling you to in kind of this season of life? What are some things that have really been on your on your heart recently? Just things that that you're passionate about, focused on that that, that you feel, you know, God has given you a, a just a passion and, and just an, an awareness for right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I would say right now, um, and especially because so much centers uh, professionally um, for me right now, it's the busy time of year um, for us in football. Um, I think a lot about um, being uh, a city on a hill, a, a, a light on a stand right now as an organization. And that doesn't mean being like a Christian organization that's like, closed on Sundays like Chick-fil-A, right? I still, I love, I love my brothers and sisters at Chick-fil-A. I really would like Chick-fil-A on Sunday. That's just a plug. There. Okay. <laughs> all. all right. We don't have to be so legalistic, y'all. Can we, can we open on Sunday, please? Um, wow. <laughs> I'm teasing. Mountain, especially but it exactly. But does it have to be, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it doesn't have to be Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby or whatever in terms of uh, the, the outward expression. 
but and I that do. That's what they're called to. That's what they're called. Exactly. To. Exactly. It's their. It's their. Yeah. It's their. It's their mission and vision. I think for us, um, I think that we, coach and I, have constructed an organization that shares values and expresses its values in a very deep way. We actually have a value statement jointly created by the football team and the business staff. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it spells the acronym FIGHT. And this was actually before we became the commander. So it actually worked really oh, well. Um, it's Family Impact Growth Honor Trust. And each of those has a deep meaning behind it. I use it in my performance reviews with all of our business staff. Coach uses it to inform how he's communicating with the team and how he's selecting individuals to be on the team. He uses it as a filter for that. Um, in fact, actually, after the win, um, one of our star players is a believer, Terry McLaurin, broke down the locker room um, and he closed it by saying family on three. You know, it, mm -hmm. the, the language is really embedded in how we operate. And it is, I think, coach on the football side wants to show that you can win a Super Bowl doing things in what he would call the right way. Yeah. Not cutting corners, not cheating, not, not, not using um, underhanded tactics by treating people well and doing things on the up and ups. He wants to show you can win a Super Bowl that way. He feels like he was close in Carolina, real I'm close in Carolina. Fan. Oh, yeah. It was really close. close to doing it the right way in Carolina, and he wants to do that now. And for me on the business side, I want to show that you can run a very lucrative and successful football franchise while staffing with diverse talent at a time when most people in and around the NFL say you can't find female talent, you can't find black and brown talent to populate the non-football halls of the organization. Um, we're showing that you can do that. Um, we're showing that we can be creative in the way that we create a fan experience that's different um, and that we can actually take a franchise that had ebbed over time and research. And so we want to show that a values-based organization can win in football and in business and thereby get a bunch of copycats. Um, you That's know, uh, yes, you know, imitation is the purest form of flattery. There's a phrase in football on the football side that it's a copycat league. You know, somebody starts to do something well and everybody wants to do it. Um, we want to be the model for that copycat league. We want to set a gold standard for the business organization that we run and we want a Lombardi trophy. We want people to say, you know what, we should hire people like that, that mm -hmm. look like that, that think like that, that operate their organizations in that way, that are good stewards of the community that are honest when when called upon to step up and be honest. Um, and that's a little bit of a 180 degree shift from how this organization used to run. And we're hopeful that that turns into something that everybody else wants to emulate. That's awesome. Gosh, that's so cool. Well, we'll, we'll end with, with this, Jason, and, and I'm sure a, a lot of listeners can can relate to this in their own way. You, in your role, you face challenges, pressure, criticism, uh, things kind of beyond your your control and, and issues that that you know come across your desk that you still have to address, uh, but but so do people in their in their day to day life as well. How how does your faith give you the perspective to mm -hmm. handle those those types of things? Day -to -day? You know, I, I think I think in in twofold. I think one of the things that many of us can do, especially if you're like uh, type A overachiever type, which I am. Um, you can start to think a lot of things depend on you. Mm. And when there's a moment of chaos or things aren't operating according to plan or something comes out of nowhere unexpectedly and puts additional pressure on you, the organization, you have to clean up a mess of some sort. Um, 
uh, or you go on a losing streak, um, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> um, just anything like that, any, any negative input happens. I think when you think it depends fully on you, it, the problem feels bigger than it actually is. And it also is so much more difficult to start to make a plan because you have, you spend most of your brain cells figuring out why you let this happen and how it's your fault and how you got there instead of being able to look forward and say, what do I do from here? And I think when you have the perspective of the sovereignty of God, just plain and simple, the sovereignty of God, that there are billions of people on this earth and God is weaving a plan together that works for the good of all those who are called, uh, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Then it's way more people than you <laughs> that are factored in here. And some input that is impacting you negatively in the moment is ultimately for the good of you and a whole lot of other people. Uh, and uh, it actually allows you to take a step back. Remember that you, you probably didn't cause all this and it's also not on you to solve all of it. And suddenly you become better. <laughs> you have more clarity of thought because the noise is cleared from your mind. Um, it allows you to move forward with a measure of calm and certainty, knowing that no matter what happens, you're gonna end up in a good place on the other side of things. Um, that sort of certainty allows me to be more calm under pressure, which then benefits the entire workforce because they're looking for a leader that isn't panicked, that can be logical, that can draw the temperature down on the folks mm -hmm. around them. Um, you wanna be a net, you, you, I think a great leader, one of the aspects of a great leader is someone that takes chaos and transmits peace, absorbs ah. chaos and transmits peace. Okay. And um, and that's an important thing for me to be able to do. And there's nothing bigger than the sovereignty and maybe the thing that's even harder to believe in tough moments, the goodness of God Amen. are key beliefs that help me do that in moments. I think most of the time I'm anchored in the sovereignty of God. I know God is all powerful. I know God is omnipotent. I know God can do whatever the heck God wants at any given moment. Um, <laughs> the goodness of God, I struggle with more. I'm like... Mm. Your good doesn't look like my good guy. Can we get these things to line up a little more? But That's when right. I get anchored in a strong belief in the goodness of God and when I can shout with confidence, I, I, I believe I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I mean that, mm. uh, not just a, 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 a scripture I'm repeating empty, emptily. Um, those are the moments I'm probably at my best. Powerful. Man, what a great answer. We'll, we'll, we'll end it on that and uh, allow our listeners to unpack that a little bit more because that's that's strong. So, Jason, man, tremendous uh, interview. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and just so excited that that God's using the way using you the way that he is uh, in Washington and wish you the best. And uh, man, thank, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There's Jason Wright, president of the Washington Commanders, joining us here on the Unpacking It podcast. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. My thanks to Jason Wright. Tremendous interview. A very just interesting conversation. Lots of deep topics to discuss and uh, I'm so glad we uh, we got into to some of those topics as well, and and one of those uh, being the the indwelling of Christ and and this this reality that Christ is in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, we are one 
with Christ and one with one another. That that you know the, the supernatural, you know, sometimes hard to to fully comprehend truth, reality. That that, that that's what we uh, when we surrender our lives and and step into uh, God's family. That's what we have access to. And and so I think sometimes we we go through our lives forgetting. Wait a second, God's presence is right here in me. And and sometimes you know we we pray we pray to our heavenly Father, God in in heaven. But he's also right here with us, and, and we can't forget that. We we can't, you know, think that oh God's just you know he's way out there. No, 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 he's right here with us, and so we step into the challenges of life with with him, God with us. Uh, so that's a powerful thing. And so um, I'm, I'm glad that Jason talked a little bit about that and, and a couple of verses just to to kind of hit this this you know topic home a little bit. Uh, hopefully, you know, remind and encourage. Uh, Galatians two twenty. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Um, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Um, and then let's see, uh, one last verse. He, he mentioned Jesus at the end, uh, you know, his final, uh, one of his final prayers and, and, and uh, things that he talked about at the end in John 17. Um, Jesus says, I in I them and you in me, uh, talking to God the Father, that they may be, f- perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Um, and then John 14, 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And so that's that's the indwelling of Christ. And, and so I, I encourage you to unpack that a little bit more and, and let that um, you know, reality set in. And, and as we step into the day, let's, you know, take full advantage of, all right, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and as, you know, I, Jason and I talked too about decision-making, I'm probably more on the side, and actually Luke Heaton from our, our live show on Mondays, we, we've had this discussion before too. Uh, I, I really believe that God gives us clarity in, in decision-making. And as we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to make the right decisions. And, and I think if we're really, you know, relying on him and leaning on him, and I think he'll, he'll open up the right doors and the path for us to take. But I do think Jason brought up a good point about, the, you know, the gray area in that, that there may be multiple directions that are good and that God's going to use all of those, those things as well. Um, so there's no gray area. Um, you know, I, I'm probably more of a black and white kind of guy in, in many ways as far as right and wrong and, and that kind of thing. And I, I try to I try to remove gray areas from from that standpoint in, in life as well. But but I do think there's there are certain situations where, yeah, both are good. Both are good. Either either direction. And I, I think the example that that Jason talked about, too, you know, how they did the name uh, choice and, and all that. Uh, there were probably multiple routes to go and there probably would have been multiple names that they could have gone with. Was there one that was best? Is the commanders the best? I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, 
<laughs> we can debate that. Uh, but but I think the point is, are are we tapping into spirit within us and the you know wisdom that God gives us when we ask for wisdom, He gives us wisdom. That's what the Bible tells us. Um, and so, are we willing to to seek Him in all decisions? Um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. So, so I, I lean on that verse. Uh, you know, the basis of of you know why I believe in in clarity and and that kind of thing. Um, but that, yeah. So th- there's some there's some interesting discussion about this about this topic, and you know, people will say, you know, is there is there one soulmate for us or one career for us, and 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 I think are are we is our heart for God? Are we with God? Are we desiring to do His will? I think at that point, then He'll He'll show us He'll He'll show us the the, the way. Um, and it's not that we have to get caught up in worry. I don't think we have to worry so much. I guess. Oh no, did I did I pick the wrong the wrong direction? Well, just keep stepping forward as God leads. Just keep going, keep keep going toward Him with Him and trusting Him. And and I think then we can we can feel good and. Um, and also knowing that even the the, the wrong mistakes and the, the wrong decisions that we make, we learn from them, and God uses them as well. And so there's just this uh, this freedom in following Him and loving Him and living life uh, for Him and with Him. So I know it's now now I'm creating more vagueness potentially, but um, but I think it's worth it's worth discussing and unpacking a little bit more. And I'm curious, kind of where you come out on that. Um, you know, do you seek God for clarity? Uh, I believe he is a God of clarity, uh, but sometimes he may just say, just keep, keep moving forward. Either way is fine. That's good. Yeah, that, that's, that path works. That path, that, that also works. Just honor me. Honor me in either, either way. Are you going to bring me glory? You know, if you, if, you, if you take that job or that job, you're going to serve me? Okay, great. Keep going. Keep going. So I think there's, there's an element to that as well. Um, are we chasing our own selfish desires or is our desire or is our heart rooted in desiring him above all else? I think that's maybe the bigger, bigger concern. Um, but God, God leads and guides. He does. And thankfully we've got the Holy spirit within us to help us Christ in us. They're three in one. And then we're connected in a supernatural way as well as brothers and sisters of, in Christ. Uh, it's, it's amazing just to think about it and say it out loud and, and let that resonate and marinate on it a little bit. It's cool. It's good stuff. So, uh, so thanks for the conversation, Jason, and, and get, get us thinking a little bit. And as we continue to grow and mature in our own faith and understand God's word more. And so hopefully those verses uh, will encourage as well, but uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for uh, listening to me ramble at the end of the show. Uh, I try to take, uh, take the interview and then just give you some, some raw reaction and, and hopefully some, additional insight uh as well and and what i'm kind of you know wrestling with and thinking about so thanks so much for listening i appreciate all of your support uh, i hope you have a wonderful thanksgiving uh we're recording this uh on the thursday before thanksgiving so have a great one and we will talk to you soon uh right here on the unpacking it podcast presented by metashare i'm bryce i'm a sports fan who follows jesus i believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin he was resurrected And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus 
together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.